And welcome back to another service here at the Altar of Noise. I am joined once again by a returning music believer, Simon. Simon, welcome back, buddy. Hey, I'm back. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. 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 Had been, a, <laughs> been a stressful few weeks for you. It has been. It has been. Would have been about a month now, I reckon, since we last recorded. Yeah. Close to. Um, yeah, you know, life. Yeah. Study this this new units kicking my ass. Yeah, um, you're encountering yeah. a lo- encountering a lot of new things, and it's uh, taking a little bit of a a little bit of your attention away, which is you know important. You've got to nail it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just been focusing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, caught up. I'm in a place where I feel comfortable that I know what I'm doing. So uh, hopefully, I don't miss any more episodes. <laughs> I, I, it's, I'm happy that you uh, you found a replacement who was just a small, angry wog like me. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like how you actually just tried to find another me instead of just finding someone else. I know, yes. It, um, uh, Dan filled in uh, very graciously and did a wonderful job. He did. Um, you know, he, made, he made all the wrong decisions, but he done a good job. <laughs> okay, what would you choose? You, uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel? Rachel? I'd, I'd choose Rachel. <laughs> I'd choose my own partner, I think. I liked that one. <laughs> it's like, it like he's like, so the same choice. You uh, Musical the kids. See you, kids. <laughs> no, they're all right. This week I'll keep them around, yeah. you know, next time. Um, but, yeah, so uh, – so I'm currently in the process of moving. Mm, I can uh, see. Yes, yeah, so we're uh, currently surrounded by uh, a bunch of broken down beds, mattresses. Nikki Wimmer. Yeah, Nikki Wimmer's over Nikki in the corner. Wimmer's, for those who don't know, Nikki Wimmer, uh, when we record at Josh's house, is always looking over us. Yep, yep. The graciousness of him. Yes. Looking, looking handsome in a very poignant moment in AFL history. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I've, Simon's seen it and – you guys have probably seen it in a post I put up of an Instagram photo of my computer desk. So it's this big wooden leather top desk. Loved it. Had it for years. Uh, but I just, I'm going to a smaller place, so I'm going to get rid of it. Put it up on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, only 100 bucks, but I'm like, pick up only. You know, come and, come and get it. This guy responds. He's just, his name pops up and it's Dirt. His, his name's Dirt. His name is Dirt. Okay. So he comes and he's just like, yeah, hey, man, are you free today for me to collect? I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy, come on through. Um, here's the address. Uh, you know, just come around after 1 o'clock. That way I'll have the uh, computer all packed up, ready to go. So he rocks up and I didn't hear like a truck or anything because this is this uh, this desk is bloody heavy. Yeah, it's pretty sizable. It's yeah. a proper desk. And he rocks up and uh, I've got the screen door there and, I see him and he's looks like a surfer dude. And then I look down, and he's not wearing his shoes. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right, sweet. Yeah, this this is fitting with a person named Dirt. Comes in, sits down at the like, grabs my computer chair, sits down at the desk, checks it all out. Goes, yep, sweet, no problems. Here's a hundred bucks. 
So I'm like, oh, well, you know, help. I was expecting him to come with another person because I'm like, you're going to have to unload this at some point. Um, but he, so I'm like, oh, I'll help you carry it out to the, you know, I'm expecting like a ute or a trailer. No, so he's got a small little hatchback, <laughs> like this little Hyundai, <laughs> little Hyundai hatchback <laughs> with, with, with like with like racks on the top. Okay. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And so it's like, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to, he's like, oh, I figure we'll get underneath it, lift it up, like position it just with the lip on there and then we'll flip it over and then, yeah, I'll just strap it down. So I was like, you want to lift this onto the top of your car? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I was like, all right, man, yeah, I've got my 100 bucks. I'm all good. So <laughs> help him lift it up onto, and it's like as lifting up, I'm like trying to be careful not to hit his car or anything. He's like, ah, oh, don't worry about the car. I'm like, well, clearly. But <laughs> he lifted up and then he's like, oh, yeah, I've got it from here. Shakes my hand and I just walk back inside and I was expecting to hear a bang at some point. But no, nothing came. And then it was probably here I'm kind of struggling with it for about 15 minutes and then engine starts up and off he goes. I'm surprised I haven't seen anything on the news that <laughs> this small little Hyundai hatchback toppled over with a desk on top of it. Oh, I, I'm, I, I believe his name's Dirt. <laughs> I mean, that's if it, it suited that, him to a T. As soon as you started to describe him. I was like, that's that's the picture I had in my head. Yeah, yeah. And then so I'm like, oh, he's like, oh yeah. And then I'll get it home, and yeah, I'll have to figure out how to unload it myself. And then I've got to get it up a flight of stairs by myself. I'm just like, you're insane. You you are insane. Just wait for your mate to come home. He's like, ah, oh, no, he won't be home till later. You know, it'll be all right. It's like, <laughs> sure, buddy. Sweet. <laughs> you do you. Um. Oh, you got a hundred bucks. Yeah, got a hundred bucks. Got thirty dollars for another piece of furniture I sold, and then I just got one last piece to sell. So hopefully that goes in the next couple of days because we're moving. So nice. If not, it'll just come with me to the next place and then I'll sell it there. But cool. yeah. Um, Sweet. In the meantime, for today's episode, um, we're going to have a bit of a chat uh, about Joey Jordison. Mm. Um, I know obviously it's probably been about a month now since he passed when this is airing. Um, but we felt it was important to kind of have a bit more uh, of a discussion about him and I know that you really wanted to kind of, you know, have this little chat about, you know, the life and career of him because, I mean, for both of us, he was so important in many ways. Yeah. I think Slipknot, or for me personally, Slipknot played a pretty big part of my life, uh, you know, as a teenager and even younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Joey Jordison was a massive part of that. Um you know, he he wrote those first two albums. A lot of a lot of people don't even realize that, but he actually wrote that with uh, Paul Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not you're not talking about just a a drummer who sits at the back and waits for stuff to be brought to him. He, you know, him and Paul went out and wrote those those songs we all fucking love. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think. You know, especially after, I don't know if Slipknot's popularity has waned, but, mm. you know, they're past their prime in terms of their output. Yep. Um, and obviously Joey Jordison wasn't part of the band at the end there. Um, so I think people forget just how crazy Slipknot were to start off with and then, you know, 
how influential as a drummer and a musician Joey Jordison was. Yeah. And, like, I think one of the most defining features of Slipknot is that, that drumming. Yeah. I sure. mean, like, you, the guitars, you, 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 you understand mixed guitar work and um, what's his other face? Jim. Jim's guitar work. But, like, the sound, that kind of driving nature, that force behind a lot of their songs. Mm. Um was, you know, predominantly due to Joey and, like, the creativity involved in, like, his drum work, mm. you know. Now, I think when you say, was he the world's greatest drummer? No. No. But he's easily, you could probably put him as top three most influential of all time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely within metal. Yeah. Um, I heard on another podcast and they they described him perfectly. Um, when you first hear Slipknot, you're told there's nine members and you're like, well, fucking clearly there's nine members. Like, <laughs> listen to it. Yeah. But then you see Slipknot live and you realise that all that power and aggression comes purely from Joey because mm-hmm. the two percussionists, percussionists do fuck all. <laughs> they go, boom, do a little dance, boom, boom, do a little dance. All that frenetic fucking energy and aggression mm-hmm. is coming from Joey. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, well, fuck, you, geez. Like, and he's 5'1". Yeah. Like, I, I'm small. I think I'm 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he's tiny. Like, he's a fucking tiny. <laughs> and he had that much power and aggression. It's just insane. Um, the, the, the greatest drummer argument. Is hilarious yeah. to an extent because I know when I first discovered Slipknot, I I was it was before I started playing drums, and then they were still really popular when mm. I started to learn drums. And through most of that time, he was my favorite drummer. Yeah, and I claimed he was the the greatest fucking drummer in metal. Mm. With my small narrow scope of what metal was, and an even smaller scope of what drumming was, um, you know, and then as you branch out musically and as I learnt more drums, you kind of start to be able to pick holes in what he does and yeah. what a, not as a negative thing about him, but like you said, the thing that he is and that no one can deny is influential. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he, if it wasn't for him bringing extreme metal into his playing, fuck knows if I'd listen to Dillinger or something like that. Like that's not a million miles away from what Slipknot was. No. And Slipknot were fucking making number one (laughs) billboard (laughs) chart albums and Dillinger are playing fucking venues slightly bigger than the ones I play. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? How the fuck can you... Like, how the fuck can you get a blast beat on a song the way and make it that fucking popular? Yeah. <laughs> That's just insane. What, what I always find fascinating is he – so I quite enjoy Fear Factory. Yeah. And it's been long said that, you know, some of the best drumming on Fear Factory is by a drum machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but th- – 
the one thing you can't deny of them is their like the, the the blast beats and the noise that Fear Factory produces is pretty intense, pretty full on. But you know, the argument is there that it's by a machine. Joey would do the same, but by himself. Mm. And I think that's just incredible. Like we're like obviously in this time since his past, we've you know both been kind of sharing footages of uh, Joey doing you know mm. insane drum work. And then certain clips that come from the disaster pieces. Uh, yeah, from on, the, the drum cam. Yeah, yeah, from the drum cam at that uh, DVD um, from the tour in London. And just to watch his movement to the the pace that he hits it. And the other thing that blows my mind watching him is, so when a lot of drummers are doing their thing, you kind of notice that they're all kind of trying to sit as upright as possible, kind of keeping their head straight, kind of, doing, you know, focusing on where they're hitting. Joey's hitting everything with pretty close to precision and headbanging mm. like he is a guitarist. Yeah. I found that. I still am amazed yeah. by that. I I can mosh when I play, but I, I cannot whip my hair back and forth like fucking Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the fuck he does that and I'm not playing anything near as, <laughs> near as fast, near as fucking complicated sometimes as him. Yeah. I think... I think him leaving Slipknot was a bit bittersweet, but I kind of feel like this, after Paul's passing, I just don't know if his heart was really in the band anymore, which is a bit of a shame. But Yeah, I mean. There was also health issues as to why he left, but losing someone as close, you know, as we said, him and Paul wrote the first two albums. Mm. Like, when you lose someone like that, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So I was just, uh, I was, when we were doing all this here, I was just uh, having a look at, and like, it's at Paul Gray, and it's, it was a sad, it's sad to see two founding members of Slipknot have now passed. And mm. Christ, he was only like 40 odd, 46. Yeah. I think, because that is, but it's like, you know, that's only 12 years older than me. And yeah. that's, Two members of this band that we grew up with that, you know, to certain at certain points idolized their playing and their songs and all that. And to have those two members now no longer part of us, a, a part of that band is yeah. sad. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, he he brought that fire and aggression. Obviously, Corey brought a lot of it. Yeah. Vocally. Yeah. Um, but the rest, the rest came from Joey. Yeah, like those riffs wouldn't wouldn't hit as hard. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some fucking massive riffs, <laughs> but but you know, his decisions to bring in some influence of uh, extreme metal, bring in some influence of groove based metal. And his decision making on what to put behind those riffs is the Slipknot sound. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine like thinking of some of the songs. I can't imagine uh, Heretic Anthem any other way. And mm. like without and like he's created that noise with. Uh, with his drums and then obviously with the guitar work, but it's just like I can't imagine it any other way. Mm. And I can't imagine like a lot of Slipknot 
like I know uh, Jay Weinberg's doing a good job, but I just can't imagine it like any other way without Joey. Mm. Um, being a drummer, I'm a part of a lot of uh, like drum discussion and percussion discussion groups online. And um, someone pointed out after his passing um, who in who would have sold the most units of their endorsees mm-hmm. in the drumming world? Who would have done more than Joey? You've got probably Lars Ehrlich. Probably got Travis Barker. Yeah, I can't really mm. think of anyone else. Yeah. Like, no, I mean. And, and, and I mean, obviously, as a drummer, I can go into like, I can say like fucking Benny Greb and Minel, but yeah. 99% of people don't know who Benny Greb is. But when you're talking people who don't even listen to the music, recognizing a face or a mask, yeah. Um, you know, I had I had um, Joey Jordison's head drumsticks, which were <laughs> fucking made of metal, like they were fucking woeful drumsticks. Yeah. Like, if I had a drum teacher back then, I'm. They would have slapped me for fucking rocking up with that, but I bought them because they were Joey Jordison. Yeah, um, I remember wanting a pair, wanting a set, and I was not even a drummer. Yeah, I just wanted them because like they were fucking awesome looking, and I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Joey. Yeah, uh, you know, and him playing Pearl, he would have fucking shifted heaps of Pearl and mm-hmm. paste cymbals when he had the fucking once again goddamn awful paste rude cymbals, <laughs> which were fucking coated in thick. White or black, I can't remember. I think they were white and then black. But yeah. like, Tra- Travis Barker obviously shifted a heap, would have shifted a heap of stuff and so would Lars Ulrich. But yeah, you know, there's not many a- at all. No, and I think, yeah, I think that goes back to just the straight up influence. Like mm. in a time where I guess new metal was really growing and developing, here comes Slipknot. And here comes this incredible wall of sound, that, mm. and he's the main push behind it. People are going to know what people are going to resonate with it. Yeah, um, and and you can just look at Joey Weinberg. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that photo of him meeting Joey Jordison as a twelve year old. Yeah, like <laughs> he, he's clearly influenced him. He's yeah not taken his job, but you know he's replaced him. There's just a straight up influence there, and Jay Weinberg is always. Said that yeah. he's like, oh, I idolized Joey. Like this is a dream job for me, kind yeah. of thing. And Jay Weinberg is incredible. He's an incredible drummer, and I think he brings something different to Slipknot. But those first two albums, yeah, like, <laughs> you're not going to get anything like that again. Yeah, I think we should probably talk a little bit about Murder Dolls. Can we? Because they're sick. <laughs> they're, they're sick. Oh, I fucking love Murder Dolls. Murder Dolls are good <laughs> fun. Oh. I remember, so Murder Dolls and Stone Sour both brought out their debut albums the same year, if I'm yep. not mistaken. And I'm pretty sure they were fairly close release dates. I'm not going to bet my house on it, but I think <laughs> they were. Um, and I remember going around one of my mate's place and he had the Stone Sour album. Mm. And we were like, oh, it's fucking Corey Taylor and Jim Root. Fucking unmasked, this, that, the other. It's fucking sick. And he played me Stone Sour and I was like, this is pretty shit. Like I liked Monolith, I think it is, and obviously Bother's just a fucking great song, Mm. but this is shit. 
And then I went to my other mate, uh, Steve, and he had murder dolls. And he's like, oh, murder dolls. I was like, sick, fucking Joey Jordison. And it was just like nothing I'd heard at that point. It was fucking horrorcore punk. It was disgusting. It was in your face. And I was like, this is just sick. Like, this is just fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. it was campy. It was goth. It was just straight up B horror movie. It was, I just adored it. And it was, you know, it was my misfits, really. Like, yeah. Yeah, you could say they were the 20th, uh, the 20th century misfits. Yeah, I mean, I'd, that that's, I know nothing about misfits. I've just said misfits. But to <laughs> me, that's like, that's yeah. kind of how I saw them. I'm like, this is my, my fucking weird horror thing that's just about killing fucking women and. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, the songs like uh, Dead in Hollywood, Twist My Sister. Um, Twist My Sister. <laughs> She was a teenage zombie, grave robbing you. You were saying you know. And but this, but this goes back to Joey Jurison in that he played every instrument on that album. Yeah, he played, he wrote, recorded every instrument on that album, bar singing. Yeah, and I think he was, probably backup sings in there <laughs> just for the fucking hell of it. Like it's, he, it's the perfect pairing. Him and Wednesday Thirteen. Oh, Wednesday Thirteen's voice is incredible. Yeah. It, it, would sound fucking horrible in any other context, but in Murder Dolls, Wednesday 13 is just fucking mint. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it was just that perfect timing where he, it was just it kind of, it's going to sound weird, but it's kind of, it was kind of like a palate cleanser. Like it yeah, was, it was new. Yeah. It was something different because like I've, you know, I don't mind a little bit of punk and like kind of, a little bit of rock like that, but like mm. this is the first time. Like I was like, wow, this is this is fun. I can really get into this. That was the thing is it was fun, yeah. especially coming from Slipknot, which was this very angsty, serious, intense, intense you know, um, listen, and and then comparing it to Stone Sour. Stone Sour was still a serious band with you know, yeah, that they were probably more angsty, more kind of like that. And then out comes a dude singing about his love affair for fucking B horror movies yeah. and <laughs> I mean, so digging up like dead bodies and fucking dre- dressed to depress, you know. Oh. It, 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 like, like you said, it's so campy, but it's so worked. Yeah, yeah. They and, and this goes back to one of our first episodes about gimmicks. It, it's a gimmick, but they. Fully commit to it. Yeah, that you forget about what they're singing <laughs> about, like "Die My Bride" about murdering your bride on their fucking yeah. wedding night. Like it's, it's a ridiculous. ridiculous fucking song. They're all ridiculous, but they're yeah. all fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um. And like, I would rate the first three Slipknot albums higher than I would Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls, but I will listen to Beyond. The Valley of the Murder Dolls way more often than I listen to those three Slipknot song, uh, albums now. Yeah. Yeah. Purely because probably I fucking played the shit out of the Slipknot <laughs> albums. But um, like you said, they're fun. Yeah. I, I got like, I have memories of when was it? Probably 2004-ish, 
2005, 2005 getting my license and cruising around and listening to both the Murder Dolls and Wednesday 13 solo album kind of on a loop in my car because it was just like it was just a fun little breakup and you could sing along to it. Don't get me wrong, you can sing along to Slipknot songs but this is just kind of like everyone in the car is kind of like yeah. bopping along going, oh, yeah. This is kind of fun. Yeah. And but like and what I loved is just like it was great to see Joey do something different. Like to see him be at the front and be a guitarist. Yeah. It's the first time you're like, holy crap, he is stupidly talented. Yeah. I mean, like don't get me wrong, it's not the most taxing, like intricate guitar work, but it fucking works. Mm. I mean, don't don't forget. He still wrote the guitar, yeah. some of the guitar parts for exactly. the first two Slipknot albums as well. So he could play more intense and yeah. intricate stuff. But murder rolls uh, are incredible. Yeah, really. Um, Slip my wrist was always one of my favorite. And um, people hate me. I loved <laughs> how arrogant that song was. I loved it, <laughs> especially coming playing for the soccer club we played for in Mount Gambia. We just won all the time. Uh, we used to be arrogant. We used to we used to be arrogant because we could be arrogant. So we had the little bit of the ability to back you up. Yeah. So it felt like that song was about us because <laughs> we're like we we were fucking hated, <laughs> and yeah. we were like, oh well. Yeah. No, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't listen much to his other other stuff. Like Scarlamata, um, Mimic. Yeah, his newer stuff I didn't, um, to be honest. I had moved past that type of music. Yeah. Um, did you ever listen to his, to the Roadrunner United album? I vaguely remember it. All right. So for people who are unaware, I can't remember what anniversary it was, but it was for Roadrunner Records. And what they did is they got four what they called team captains. They had Joey Jordison, um, Matt, uh, what is it, Matt Heavey from Trivium, mm-hmm. Dino from Fear Factory, yeah. and Rob Flynn from Machine Head. Um, and they all had to write, you know, a <laughs> bunch of songs. Not together, though. Yeah. They would go out and get other members from Roadrunner Records, out uh, bands, mm-hmm. and they wrote and recorded all these songs. Uh, two of Joey Jordison's songs are fucking phenomenal. And I think two of some of the best stuff he's done. Um, one of them is No Way Out, which has Daryl Palumbo singing from Glass Jaw. Okay. Um, both these songs are like alternative rock songs. Um, you know, not heaps heavy. Uh, definitely nothing like Murder Dolls. Um, and, yeah, the that's how I discovered Glassjaw was through that. And I fucking love Glassjaw now. And the other one was Tired and Lonely, which had uh, Mina Caputo singing. Um, that was the song I was singing <laughs> before we went to air. <laughs> um, it's just a catchy, like, alt rock tune, um, which is – Great because it shows that he wasn't just this. I mean, because Murder Dolls and Slipknot has all these theatrics and, 
you know, showed that he actually did like some more, I mean, they're not chilled out songs, but, you yeah. know, he, he did take influences from, from other aspects of alternative and rock music. Yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten about that album. I'm just looking up some of the songs that I kind of vaguely remember it. I, I think have, the I end. Have to go back, I might have to go back and recheck it out. The end by Matt with Matt Heavey. Yeah. Um, that was the big, the big hit. Yeah. You can see Max Cavalera sing on one of the songs. Yeah, they've so got you, everyone in there. So you know it was growly as fuck. Yeah, they got everything in there. Yeah. Um. Did you see? Did you go to Soundwave twenty eleven? See Murderers? No. Um. No, that was the Incubus headline, wasn't it? What was that one then? Twenty eleven. I can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, Murder Dolls. I hadn't listened to much Murder Dolls, if any Murder Dolls, past Beyond the Valley, their debut. Um, but I was like, you know what? It's fucking Murder Dolls. It's a <laughs> festival. I'm going to be drunk. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I went there and they were playing on a side stage. And it was about being Soundwave. It was about fucking 48 degrees. Oh, no, I was at that one. Sorry, I just saw who was headliners, Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah. Iron Maiden. And they fucking. Oh, Murder Dolls, damn. They were playing at like three o'clock or something like that in the afternoon. Like I said, 48 degree day. <laughs> they fucking walk out the stage head to toe in black, <laughs> face paint black, everything black. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? These guys are going to die. Because I think some people kind of forget how stupidly hot those festivals would oh. get. Oh. It was ridiculous and everyone's oh. in black. Yeah. I mean, at least like... When when they headlined with Slipknot, when he headlined with Slipknot, at least that was at night. Yeah, <laughs> it cooled down a bit. It's eight o'clock. The sun's this gone was, slightly down. I remember standing there, sunburnt to fuckery, yeah, drunk, the sun beaming, yeah. and seeing them walk out and just go fuck. <laughs> but they they killed it. It was great. Yeah. Wednesday thirteen screamed his guts up. Of course he did. But um. I was also fortunate enough to see uh, Joey Jordison, I think it was that year maybe, play drums for Rob Zombie. That would have been awesome. That was incredible. Um, he, I, I, a lot of people don't realise how many times he filled in as well. Like he played with Rob Zombie. Metallica. Famously filled in with, with Metallica and that was with Dave Lombardo and Lazarich's drum tech. Yeah. They, t- they swapped in and out. Um, filled in for corn. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. That's really interesting because that's where you really notice uh, his drumming. So like in Metallica, all he did was bring back a fire they used to have mm-hmm. through his just playing too fast essentially. <laughs> but then in corn, when he plays in corn, you can see that the rest of the band are trying to pull him back. Because corn yeah. is a lot more groove-based and yeah. a lot, you know, they sit at that kind of mid-tempo. So it was really interesting. Like it works and it just makes corn sound completely different as well, but it's really interesting to see. Yeah, it's 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 interesting watching those times where he's kind of had to, you know, fill in and it's just it's, – it's, it's funny you say that about Metallica. It just like brings an intensity to Metallica that – you know, they may not have had for a while because Lars is fairly set in his ways, but like mm. here comes Joey with this renewed energy and everyone's like, oh, fuck yeah, let's yeah. go. I mean, if I'm 
I could be mistaken, but I reckon he played for him the bell tolls. Mm. And like that's yeah. not a quick song. No, but no, God no. He he fucking hits and <laughs> like he's really driving that yeah. song. Um, but yeah, it's, watching anything he does with Corn is really interesting because, like I said, he that's kind of where you can kind of yeah. if you're not a drummer and you that's when you can kind of really pick out. Oh yeah, this is the difference between him and Dave. I think it was he was drumming for him still. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Dave's no slouch. No, but the, the, I'm just saying that yeah. you can compare the two. Like Dave yep. is a lot more groove based and is a heavy hitter as well. But you know, they just bring different things, and yeah. it's just interesting to see. Yeah. But um, what what's one of your favorite Joey song songs? It's gonna sound weird. Like in the time after he passed, uh, I was just listening to one of my. I think it's uh, one of my playlists. And Purity came on. Yeah. And just going back and re-listening to that, I was just like, this is fucking awesome. And like just the little feels he does on the cymbals, like when it's just the bass playing and Corey crooning, Mm. it's like awesome. Like it's not his most intense work by any stretch of the imagination, but it's kind of just like, one of the few times where he kind of just dials it back a tad for Slipknot. Yeah. And I was just like, this reminds me how much I fucking love this song. Yeah. When I think Joey, I think, and these aren't necessarily, I mean, yeah, these aren't necessarily my favourite Slipknot songs. I do fucking love them both. But when I think of Joey and his drumming, I think of Liberate. Yeah. And I think of um, Disaster Piece. Yeah. I do think of like that real fucking... Balls to the wall. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> What's he doing? Okay, this is a feel that's going for about fucking eight bars. Like, uh, yeah. Just watching like, you know, in the, in particular, the uh, drum cam for Disaster Pieces and just to watch like how fast his hands are moving mm. over those toms for those, uh, for those bar speeds, et cetera. It's just insane. Yeah. And then. You know, then he just continuously double kicks while spinning his head around like a possessed doll. Yeah, I don't. I I still cannot work out how he doesn't get the hair caught in the drumsticks. <laughs> I mean, he's not the only drummer he doesn't. I know that. But it's still. But I I don't understand how any of them, <laughs> any of those kind of drummers do that. Moshing head up and down. Yeah, I, I get. It's, yep. it's not swinging near no, your arms. Not swinging, turning your hand in. I, a clockwise manner. Another thing, though, is um, his drum solo off that album, where the the mm-hmm. the stage, thing, yeah, the stage, thing. the drum riser—that's the word I was looking for. The drum riser rises up and spins and faces the ground and does all crazy shit. Yeah, it's probably the first drum solo I ever watched. To be honest with you, yeah. now that I think about it, I mean, clearly didn't invent the drum solo. Also, didn't invent a drum riser going up, <laughs> didn't make that famous. But what he did do was he, well, at least for me, brought drum solos back because drum solos were very much a metal thing and, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Tommy Lee from Molly Crew. He used to have the drum riser go up and do a drum solo and shit. Um, so, you know, he's not the first to do it, but I think he he made it cool. Yeah. 
like it was Joey. So everyone was like, yeah, let's see Joey rip it for fucking four minutes. Why yeah, not? No. And then like it would just what well, just thinking of it in the head, it's like how it goes up and turns around upside down essentially. And then, you know, the the logo appears oh, the, the lit pen, up. The, the pentagram thing. Yeah, <laughs> lit up behind your ears and just the crowd just goes mental. <laughs> yeah. Um, But, yeah, you're right. Like I remember watching that solo countless times and then I remember because like I'd obviously, you know, being a guitarist and bassist, I'd, I think of more of those for solos. But then uh, in my year 12 year, there was a the drummer in the band that I played with. He, we're all big Slipknot, Cradle of Filth fans, like loved all that heavy shit. He, for like a school performance, had to do a, it did a drum solo and I was like one of the only people that was like really getting into it. But like he didn't do anything crazy. Obviously the the school stage didn't suddenly flip. But <laughs> They didn't have the budget. Unfortunately not. I mean it was a private school. You would have thought they would have had something for a I drum solo. What are you paying for? <laughs> exactly. Um but I remember being blown away because he worked really hard. He was also he was big into jazz music and he loved polyrhythms mm. and watching him like work really hard to get all the polyrhythms for every hand and feet were all doing something different. Mm. And thinking, you know, no one really kind of know how hard that is and like how much it is how difficult it is to make it all sound good mm. for a drum solo. And like still like I will, I wouldn't have thought of drum solos in such a way if it had kind of hadn't for me hadn't been for Joey. Yeah, yeah, he definitely made people aware of what the role the drums played, and you know also that it can it can be cool mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, I think he also a lot of people just thinking about Joey is just like I think he had the perfect mask. He. We, it's hard because you. I, don't I can't picture him with a different mask, you know. No, right? Like and like, there was obviously variations. Like at Sam Burr, yeah. he put in like the 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 crown of thorns and all that sort of stuff. But like, when I kind of think of Slipknot masks, it's Joey's. That is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, kabu- it was a Kabuki. Yeah, but it's like it's it's simple. It makes, but it was just had that enough tinge to it where it's just like, all right, well, there's obviously something a little bit dark to it, but yeah, I, I couldn't. Imagine him in, I couldn't imagine him in like clowns. Couldn't imagine him yeah. a, any other way. And I think it was kind of, when you think of, to me, when you think of Slipknot, I think of that mask. Yeah. Before I think of probably clowns next and then maybe Jim saw fucking mix. But still, yeah. Joey is the first one that pops to mind. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it sucks. It sucks losing someone that we kind of grew up idolizing. Because mm. it, it, but it also causes you to kind of pause and have reflection about, you know, the times that you've spent, you know, as friends and like listening to the music and like in cars with mates, going and seeing Slipknot play several times, you know, mm. and it kind of makes you really appreciate what we've got because I wasn't like I knew he was sick, but I didn't know it was like this bad. Yeah. And so it's like, holy fuck, this, we do have kind of a finite time on this earth and it sucks. And it sucks when one of your quote unquote heroes passes away. Mm. Yeah. He's definitely an icon. Yeah. So, veil to Joey Dordison. 
Rest in peace, number one. Rest in peace. Um, can't really transition to a happier tone, but we appreciate you. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that appreciate Joey. We've, I know me and Dan in between episodes the other, the other time we recorded were talking about him. We, he, he wasn't aware that he'd passed away until I messaged him. I was talking to Jim and Adam about Slipknot. So, you know, we appreciate anyone that reaches out and talks to, uh, talks to us about it. Um, and I suppose, a good, you know, the best way to do that is obviously contact us uh, through Facebook at facebook.com slash ultra of noise. Check out Simon's band. Um, he's currently headbanging through his songs. Um, not in a Joey Jordison fashion at facebook.com slash the unset. And you can check me out at twitch.twitch.tv slash maddogwilesy. Um, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. It was kind of somewhat cathartic. Yeah. And nice to reflect on it. Yeah. But we'll be back next week with another episode. So in the meantime, stay safe and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye.